Good afternoon, Peter. Good to have you back for another health and well-being. Uh, food intolerances is where you're looking to go today. Yeah, good morning or good afternoon, Mark. Yeah, if you've ever been to see a naturopath before, chances are they've told you or recommended you cut out certain foods. So, you know, trust me, we don't do it for fun. There's a very good reason why. And today, talking about food intolerances, and we're counting down three of the top five. So there's part one and part two. Are you going to tease us by leaving the top ones part for next one week? Part one today, part two next week. So it builds the excitement. In a more general sense, what, what do we generally accept is a food intolerance? So one of the um, most common um, or one of the very common reasons why a lot of people um, come to see a naturopath or that, you know, that I come across, the question is, you know, I've got all these symptoms going on, you know, irritable bowel, anxiety, brain fog fatigue and that's just the stuff and that's just the start <laughs> that's yeah <laughs> so and you know do you think it could be something you know could do you think it could be connected to my diet and general rule of thumb if you're getting a lot of gut symptoms then yes then gut diet and gut is definitely contributing to a lot of other can well be contributing to a lot of that area so the question is well what do you eat you know as naturopaths for years you know we're notoriously known that if you go and see a naturopath in the early days, we used to recommend everybody get off wheat and dairy, and then you know now we've morphed into gluten and and dairy. And um, the reason we often recommend that for starters is for a lot of people, it's what we eat regularly are the foods that we become more reactive to. And um, there's more research out now now about the relevance of not necessarily food allergy. So a food allergy is an immediate response. And most people know if they've got an allergy to a food because they'll eat it and their throat will start to close over or they'll eat it and they'll get vomiting or diarrhea straight away. Or, you know, it's an immediate response, um, sometimes life-threatening. It's something most people are aware they have an allergy. True allergy only affects about 2.5% of the population, even though we know it's massively growing with the number of egg-free and chocolate-free and nut-free schools and daycare centers. Um, food intolerance, on the other hand, is a different type of response. It's what's called an IgG response. And again, it's the immune system's response to foods that are often eaten regularly. And one of the reasons that we can develop food intolerances is if there's gut wall inflammation or leaky gut in the first place. So there seems to be an increased risk of food intolerances if you've also got gut issues particularly leaky gut all right so i guess that moves us to uh the number five on your list of most common uh, foods that give us food intolerance uh number five is yeast well look yeast is um uh it's a pretty tough one to get away from it is and it's in more foods than what you think you know the obviously foods that yeast is in is um you know bread Mm -hmm. yeast is used as a leavening or a raising agent um a lot of um, drinks as well, like alcoholic drinks as well. All alcoholic drink generally use yeast to help ferment the sugars. Um, so, yeah, alcoholic drinks. Um, and plus there's, there's added yeast in a lot of um, processed foods as well. comes under varied and different names, yeast extract, etc. But, yeah, yeast is pretty hard to get by if you're eating a processed food diet. Um, so symptoms of um, a yeast intolerance can cover a whole range of things, IBS sort of symptoms, abdominal pain, bloating, excess wind. And this is where, for example, if you have a beer and you feel like you're straight away looking three months pregnant, 
then you may well be intolerant or at least reacting to yeast in the... Unless indeed you are three months pregnant. Unless indeed you are three months pregnant, then, you know, you've got another reason. Uh, I've had um, skin complaints like eczema, um, urticaria or hives, rashes, itchy skin. had a client once that used to get like a, a raised patch, not like a hive, but a continual raised patch on her chin. And we found out for her that yeast was definitely an issue. She cut yeast out of her diet, then her skin cleared up. Uh, headaches and migraines, uh, mood changes, tiredness and fatigue, joint pain, um, so and even respiratory problems. So products that may contain um, yeast can also include fermented and aged foods. But keep in mind... You don't want to just willy-nilly cut yeast out of your diet. Like the best way to get tested to find out what foods you are intolerant to do is to have a food intolerance test. But if yeast comes up, it can also include things like processed and cured meats, aged cheeses, dried fruits will naturally have a yeast grow on them as well. Um, and yeast and mold can cross over as well. Um, vinegar, because it's a fermented food as well. Um, baked or ex goods and yeast extract as well it's so, that um, one's so much more than just uh you know a, a, like a bread product or, or a drink a, yeah a drink. it's a lot more a lot more profound and remember also if you've got a yeast problem it's a good idea to steer clear of sugary foods or drinks because sugar tends to feed the overgrowth of yeast that can actually be in your body as well so not only can you be reacting to foods you're eating you can actually have a yeast overgrowth in the gut um so yeah so trying soda water with cucumber or fresh Fresh um, lime or, um, you know, soda water and fresh lemon or lime rather than soft drinks. All right, a great option there for us. Number four is going to hit me pretty hard. Almonds and other nuts are uh, are high on the list. Yeah, look, and and again, it's interesting, like, because we sort of think mostly that, you know, nuts, particularly if they're organic and fresh, are going to be beneficial for us. But again, for a certain subset of people, and again, remember, intolerances may be affecting up to 45% of people, particularly if you've got gut issues, you will most likely have some sort of intolerance. Um, so, yeah, almonds. But, but I'll, I'll get to the good news in a minute. It's not that we have to avoid these foods for the rest of your life. Remember I said before, the reason we develop intolerances is because of a repetitive diet and the fact that there's gut wall inflammation or we've done damage to our gut at some stage. So the goal is with intolerances to remove the foods initially for, say, 6 to 12 weeks, but work on healing and repairing the gut. So then you can reintroduce these foods back in. You know, we're never, I'm never one to say, you know, avoid gluten and never have it again in your life. Like you want to work out what foods you're reactive to and then work out how often you can have that food. But initially, the quickest response in, in improving your health is to cut these foods out altogether if you've come back positive. So almonds particularly are high on our list of intolerances, um, probably because we're now eating more almonds in the form of almond milk or, you know, almond flour in our quest to avoid dairy and gluten. So now this is getting ridiculous. You know, we, we're eating almonds because we want to get away from almond flour and almond freons because we want to get away from gluten, and now we're developing intolerances to almond. However, um, as we said, we work on avoiding these foods and healing the gut, then adding the foods back in. Symptoms of nut intolerances that I've come across include things like eczema and dermatitis. I remember one lady, whenever she had nuts or almonds particularly, she'd get like all swollen up around her her eyelids top eyelids would flake and she looked like she'd been punched in the in the lower part right, even just, just a, a small amount of almonds a would small do that. amount would just affect yeah. her to that extent yeah. yeah 
So the trick with her is trying to find exactly, and it's not always that black and white, but for for her, almonds were the one. And um, you can also have further testing rather than just cut out um, other tree nuts. Um, almonds and walnuts are different to, say, pistachios and hazelnuts, different to coconut and nut oil. So you can get further testing to work out which nuts, but initially, if you came back reactive to almonds, we'd say try and avoid all tree nuts as well. Um, now, nuts are full of good fats as well as being a good source of zinc, calcium, and protein. So if you do have a nut intolerance, um, you can supplement your diet with, with alternatives, including things like olives, olive oil, sunflower seeds, and pumpkin seeds. They're not in the nut family. Um, so you can have sesame seeds like tahini uh, and avocado. So always important whenever you do have to reduce a certain group or family of foods is that you replace those foods with healthy alternatives and i just can't can't eat an olive i just can't get into them you, you don't know? like olives? no not at all yeah interesting I know, it's, I, they're one I of those swanky olives. kind of foods but i just can't do it you're not swanky enough i'd say maybe the rest on that list is fine i'm just ignoring that like your, <laughs> your pumpkin and sunflower seeds respectively avocado i could eat by the dozen but uh, you can't do olives hmm. there you go. well tahini as i said tahini's like uh, an original superfood. Now that I do love. Mm. That I mm. that's like a, well, you can like add it. My sister adds it to her stir fries just before she serves them up. So you don't cook it in it, but you do a stir fry and then just get a tablespoon or a dessert spoon, mix it through the stir fry before you serve it, and it gives it like a a, a nutty, not not satay, but kind mm. of a nutty taste. So oh, that's it. I'm just writing that down as we speak. <laughs> Good afternoon, Kathy. Uh, Kathy from Lambton. You've got a question for Peter in relation to nut intolerances today. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I hope you can hear me okay. I want the bow ball. Yeah, hi, Cathy. Um, hi, how are you? My husband loves his nuts, loves nuts, peanuts, almonds, pistachios, cashews, you name it. Eats them, he would eat them every day nearly. Yes. But he has had, um, and I'm not sure if this is something that um, might be an intolerance. I've often wondered, he loves his almond milk now. He's having almond milk. Um, a nasal problem, as in um, phlegm and he describes it as always got some water running down, down his throat. Yeah, okay. Over, okay. The, over, over the years, you know, over the last few years, he's, you know, the doctor's given him nasal sprays, asthma sprays, salt water, cleansers, da-da-da-da-da. He had an x-ray of sinuses. There's nothing, you know, in his sinuses. He had a chest x-ray or anything like that. But just wondering if 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 nuts do have a, that sort of effect on some people, well, look at look. All foods can affect us them. affect us differently. Yeah. And um, with your husband, like it, the two reasons, so he's getting like a post nasal drip and mm. you know extra mucus secretions. The two major contributors will be environmental mm-hmm. dust, and it can be like you sort of inherit the tendency: sinus asthma, eczema, hay fever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do have that. Environment, dust, pollen, pollution, westerly winds, dust mite, carpet <laughs> on the floors. So it would, could could be pollen because we're mad, he's a bad gardener. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that could that can be that can be one part, and then the food component, particularly, I found for like that mucus production is probably more along the dairy lines. On the dairy yeah, milk, okay. cheese, cream, ice cream. But the way to the way to test if it is food related is. Mm-hmm. Try and get him to go, say, dairy-free just for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. See if that makes a difference. And if that doesn't mm-hmm. make a difference, then try and cut out the nuts for two weeks. 
Yeah. Okay. So, oh, so you can sort of, yeah. yeah, you can check it by doing a bit of a uh, remove it from the diet and then reintroduce it to test and mm-hmm. see what it is. But I, I sort of think it, oftentimes it's you know fifty fifty and environments a bit harder to get away from. What you can do though is you can get him to take a probiotic containing a specific strain of bacteria called an LGG strain, LGG. and LGG. Um, probiotics actually help to reduce someone's reactivity to things whether it's the environment or food thank you so much for that kathy and moving on to mike g'day mike at cole point uh, you've got uh, some food intolerance questions for peter today yeah thanks mark uh, g'day peter hi mike um mate i'm a tad over 70 years of age uh, i had hepatitis in about 1970 and not long after I started to get um, uh, intermittent swelling in the, at the base of the skull that ultimately led to many, many, many years of migraine headaches on and off until somebody told me not to eat bananas and then the same story about mushrooms and then the same story about citrus and here I am now. I find myself... Uh, living uh, with the threat of these migraine headaches and trying to adhere to uh, um, an antihistamine diet. Yep, yep. And do, um, you, do you think that's been effective? Um, well, it certainly was. Uh, uh, it was certainly almost effective up to the point uh, a few years ago where I was told about yeast. Yes. And uh, like you were saying earlier, yeast uh, has a multitude of issues related to it. So at the moment, I'm, I'm off yeast, uh, I'm off um, citrus, I'm off nightshade, um, and the list goes on. Um, I'm just wondering whether you, you can offer me some um, help in that area. Yeah, look, look, definitely. Like um, with migraines, like amines with the original, before we thought about histamine-containing or histamine-provoking foods, we thought about amines. And amines and histamine foods sort of all cross over. So um, some people with migraines definitely are going to be reactive to the amine content. Um, yeah. Nightshades, it, it's a matter of like one of the, the, the best ways maybe with you to approach things because – the type of intolerances or sensitivities you're talking about are more chemical sensitivities. Right. Not what I'm talking about today, which is IgG food intolerance to actual proteins in certain foods. Yeah. However, still with you, one of the ways to try and get clearer about what foods really are your problem is to go on to um, an elimination-style diet. And I know you've kind of already done that, but elimination-style diet might look at where you avoid all foods high in food chemicals for a period of three to six weeks. Yes. And then you can test and challenge like um, the nightshades for starters. So the way you do that is you'd have, say, a couple of tomatoes a day for three days in a row and just see if you can provoke it. So it's, it's a bit more of a lengthy process, but the chemical um, intolerances are that bit tricky to sort out for sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you see someone that sort of specializes in, um, food and elimination diets and they may be able to help you just because otherwise 
you can fall in the trap of where you're avoiding all these food groups and you're not even sure whether those food groups are triggers or not. And, you know, you're ending up where you're not eating much at all. And the other thing you want to do is not just avoid those foods. You want to work on your liver detoxification pathways You to make sure that you can tolerate more of these chemicals. So you want to try and improve your tolerance, not just cut out more restrictive foods. So, um, yeah, getting some support with some liver detox and always getting onto like a good probiotic and that strain I mentioned before to Kathy with the LGG strain of probiotic um, would be beneficial as well. But okay. um, yeah, if you need help navigating it, I'd probably go and see someone that sort of can help you navigate that road, not only of working out exactly what you're reactive to, but how to decrease your tolerance so you can tolerate some of those foods in the future. Thank you very much, Mike. And also to Cathy before that. Now, Peter, we've kind of run out of time, so we'll have to push uh, your number three back to uh, next week uh, when you continue the discussion about the most common food intolerances, of course, uh, tackling uh, yeast and uh, almonds and other nuts today. Well done. Yeah, well, look, and, and as um, we just heard like from Mike that it, with food can be tricky to navigate because not only have you got food allergy, you've got food intolerances. And then what Mike was talking about is chemical sensitivities too. And his chemical sensitivities may well have started after the hepatitis all those years ago where his mm. liver's just become more chemically, you know, not clearing those chemicals as well from his system. So, yeah, so it can be a bit of a nightmare. No, sorry, can be a bit of a minefield to navigate. But, um, yeah, definitely hope with with all of these food-related issues. Lots to see and lots to continue the conversation on next week as health and well-being uh, next Tuesday afternoon with Peter Mullen. As always, mate, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. And you can eat this third food that we didn't mention today for one more week until I see you next time. Well, we did kind of mention it, but you may have forgotten it, so you've got another <laughs> week. Egg salad, anybody? <laughs> Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.